0: Good evening here from beautiful Philemonster Studios in Burbank, California. That's right, it's time for another episode of Defenders of the Bank. Sitting to my left as always is the Christian Philly Philemon.
1: I've done too many shoeys. I've been tailgating since nine thirty. I hate the way my voice feels.
0: Yeah, arms, back of my neck, everything else, a little redder than it should have been.
1: I smell like the tailgate. Yes, I smell you, like the floor of the tailgate.
0: You kind of, you kind of do, but that's okay. And of course, I am J.R. Liebert, the scarf, and right. we are calling this episode "Bringing Goals to a Snowball Fight." That's right. We are going to be recapping the fantastic six to one. Beatdown of the traveling Mark dos Santoses, the Vancouver Whitecaps. It is late here on Saturday night. In fact, just about ten minutes before Sunday, and of course Sunday, Philly, you and I are so excited of an entire day of world-class soccer. We've got the Women's World Cup yeah. final tomorrow. We somehow will be right back at the bank at Bank of California Stadium. We will be there at the fields for the Women's World Cup watch party. That was a lot of W's all in a row almost there. And then right after that, it'll be time to watch Brazil and Peru Really excited about this game, Brazil and Peru. I was lucky enough to have just spent some time in Peru while we were there. Got to watch their soccer team get shellacked on television, 3 nothing, And they had no offense to speak of. And now here they are in the Copa America final, Philly, against Brazil. And I think it's going to be an incredible game. It's going to be a lot of fun to see Copa America final. And then, of course, the showdown that everybody predicted and everyone's been waiting for. USA-Mexico in the final of the Gold Cup after that that's going to be a, that's a long day of soccer there Philly.
1: You know what terrifies me is we made a bet with our friends the twins. Stay tuned for their amazing show that they're going to come out with and the bet is as follows. Yeah. If Mexico wins, you and I are taking a shui of tequila.
0: Yeah, that's not appealing to me in the least. If the,
1: wins, the twins, huh, if the US wins, the twins, if the yep. US wins, the twins, surprised I didn't stutter on that. The twins have to take a shui of bourbon. Kentucky style.
0: Yeah, and I would just like to point out... I'm drinking tequila tomorrow. (laughs) We did not make this bet. You made this bet for us. Well,
1: I make a lot of great decisions for us. Yes. Come on.
0: I I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) So let's give you a quick rundown of what's going to go on in this episode. First, we're going to have a little This Day in LAFC history. Then we're going to have what we are calling the White Cap Recap. Ah, That sounds kind of catchy. I like it. Yeah. And then, of course, we've got our weight What What? moment of the podcast and a little preview of our next match at the bank just four days away. The Wednesday showdown, the quarterfinals of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup against our favorite team to play, the Portland Timbers.
1: The pesky pine trees of Portland. That's, that's a solid alliteration there. Pesky really. pine trees
0: of Portland. Very, very good. You are doing this on very little sleep,
1: by the way. So I don't um, remember the last time I actually dozed off.
0: <laughs> that's right. Looking forward to the matchup against Portland. But what I'm really looking forward to right now is getting into this day in LAFC history. Most of you will be listening. In fact, all of you, because we're not going to finish recording this episode in the next six minutes. All of you will be listening to this episode at least not until july the 7th and we've got a couple very special things that go on on july the 7th first in 1995 a young goalkeeper by the name of pablo cisniega was born that's right tomorrow is pablo cisniega's birthday the kid was born in 1995 philly what were you doing in 1995
1: i was living in germany i was a freshman in high school I was still mourning the fact that the Knicks lost Game 7 of the NBA Finals to the Houston Rockets. Yeah, I was a lot older than Pablo Cisniega was on that day. Yeah. And a lot sadder, too, for that matter.
0: Well, you know, for that matter, I was 11 years old. I was in the sixth grade. And and
1: by the way, yes, I know the Knicks and the Rockets played in 94. I was still upset a year later.
0: Well, you're upset right now about your Knicks, too, but we won't get into I that. I can't
1: this... believe what a freaking landfill that organization is this
0: is a podcast about lafc though so we're going to move on very quickly the point is we're both older than pablo cisniega also on the 7th of july last year 2018 lafc defeats orlando city at the bank Four to one behind a brace from Adama Diamande in the 28th and 82nd minute. Latif Blessing and Diego Rossi also score. And that was the World Cup return of Carlos Vela. He subbed on in the 64th minute. It's such a weird thought to think of Carlos Vela subbing into a game in the 64th minute. But what I love most about that game, Philly, the honorary Falconer, my favorite NFL football player. The leg Johnny Hecker. That's Johnny right, Hecker. My guy. So that is this day in LAFC history.
1: All right. Now let's get into the recap versus the White Caps. LAFC put the league on notice with their destruction of sporting Kansas City this past Wednesday. We highlighted that match on our last podcast, which was entitled Kansas City. Barbecue.
0: I love barbecue.
1: Great rebound win, considering the fact that we lost to a second-to-last-place team in Mile High City a couple of days prior to that. But... The nice thing that we still can lay claim to, Scarf, is we still reign supreme as the best in the West. And the best Best in in the the MLS. MLS. We feast on the East and... We best the West. Carlos Vela continues his quest at becoming the league's MVP. Boy, did he make a statement today. Oh yeah. Out of the top five scores in the MLS, by the way, we have two LAFC players on that list. Carlos Vela is still the Golden Boot candidate. I'm going to have to update the numbers here, but as of the intro to this, 17 goals, we'll update that in a bit. But after a brace, on Thursday night, 4th of July, against Toronto FC, the Carsonian Lion actually started catching up to Vela.
0: that But he did not catch up to his equipment manager. That was In that game, it was Zlatan Erbahimovic that scored those games. Oh, that was
1: hilarious. Again, we'll highlight that anyway. That's but Diego Rossi, yes, the man who scored the first goal against the Sounders. He's in fifth place with nine at the time I wrote this intro. Of course, I'm going to update that. It's, there's a lot of updating. But in case you're wondering, rounding out the other spots, Wayne Rooney and Joseph Martinez. They're pretty good. Yeah, they're they're, they're decent. Now, Mark Dos Santos returns to the bank Boom. with his Whitecaps team in 10th place and with half of what LAFC has in points at 20. After 19 games, their record stands at 4, 7, 8 with a minus goal differential scarf
0: philly we did not help that goal differential tonight for them it did not get better for vancouver
1: no it most certainly did not
0: yeah looking at the last five games for the vancouver whitecaps they're just one three and one in their last five games look they had a nice win over dallas but in the four games since they managed three ties and then a real heartbreaking loss for them Seattle scored in the 96th minute. We're talking six minutes into stoppage time. Look.
1: Six minutes, Dougie, fresh you <laughs> Or Kelvin Va- Lear, Dom, you That's right.
0: Uh, Vancouver, uh, on, on. you know, they play this grinding physical style. We saw that again tonight. Lots of fouls, including a red, which we'll talk about a little bit later on. But you know what? Mark Dos Santos has found a way to keep the Vancouver Whitecaps In every single game they play, this was remarkable. Looking at their record over the first 19 games, that doesn't include this game, and that's why this stat is going to be even more remarkable. Over their first 19 games this season, only one game that they have played all year has been decided by more than one goal, and that was a 2-0 loss to Carson. Every single game other than that. They've either been tied or won or lost by just one goal. This is a team that's been held scoreless six times this season already and have only held teams to a clean sheet three times. You know, with LAFC having just played a couple of days ago, you know, they used a bunch of different players in that game, including Lee Wynn, Fito, and Mohamed El-Munir, and what a run. Philly, can we just take one more time, what a run that was by Mohamed El-Munir for the goal in that last game. That was absolutely incredible. Got
1: to remind the fans. I mean, we were all upset to lose the number one draft. Pick Joao Matinho to Orlando City. But this season, Mohamed El-Maneer has more goals than Joao does on Orlando. Absolutely. Look, LAFC in their last five, of course, 4-0-1.
0: And and their only blemish is that loss to Colorado, 1-0. They have a plus nine goal differential in their last five games. Something's telling me that's getting a lot better after this. But Philly, the last time we saw these two teams, they played each other in Vancouver. April 17th.
1: Oh, yeah. And I mean, going into this game, before we even go into that recap, the advantage truly did go to Vancouver in the sense that they had fresher legs than LAFC because they hadn't played since June the 29th. Mark Dos Santos also knows the LAFC players. He knows the system after having spent last season with Bob Bradley. For those of you who don't know, the head gaffer, the head manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps, was our assistant head coach. Yes, he was Bob Bradley's right-hand man. But, 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 the difference maker truly is Playing at the bank. The difference maker is the 3252. The difference is 22,000. 3252 times 7. Screaming supporters. There was a lot of fans out there. The bank to LAFC is like Star Power to Super Mario. Like spinach to Popeye. Like the Hulkamaniacs to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> oh, whatever voice I had left kind of went away on that one. But you mentioned it earlier, Scarf. The last time these two met, April 17th. Two days after y'all procrastinated and filed your taxes, LAFC happened to take its first international trip of the season as they headed over to Vancouver and through to BC Place to face our old assistant manager, Mark Dos Santos. In what we viewed as a toss-out game, it turned out to be our first loss of the season. A shocking loss, considering the momentum we had built up to that point. Fresh off of the dismantling of DC United on the road, and newcomers FC Cincy. Shocking. It also was the first game of the season in which we didn't utilize our regular lineup.
0: That is for sure.
1: The forward situation was left the same as Bradley started Rossi, Ramirez, and Vela up front. The midfield saw a slightly different lineup when Peter Lee Vassel got his first start of his MLS professional career.
0: By the way, real quick, shout out to Peter Lee Vassel tonight. He was wearing a really sweet Pink shirt. We saw him down on the the field level. The guy looked good. First of all, congratulations too to Peter Lee Vassell. An incredible Gold Cup showing. I thought he was consistently one of the top two players on that Jamaican team, and they didn't even start him for a couple of the games. I could not figure out what they were doing, but the free kicks and the corner kicks that we saw from Peter Lee Vassell, his pressure that he kept putting on the offense or excuse me on the defense during the Gold Cup really made him stand out for Jamaica. So I want to give a little props there to Peter Lee Vassell as you mentioned him.
1: No doubt. The difference in the lineup. Nico, three umlauts. Hamelainen. Danilo Silva, Shaft Brewer were in the back line for this matchup. Oof. It was still a game in which we dominated possession. But due to lousy turf and the fact that we had so many matches in so few days. <sighs> we had a match on the 13th in which we beat FC Cincinnati. Then this midweek matchup on the road only to be followed a few days later while we were getting ready to greet the Sounders at home. I get it. That match, Bob wanted to rest our regular starters. We highlighted this on an earlier podcast. He sat down Jordan Harvey, Stephen Betashore, Walker Zimmerman, I don't even know if he made the trip, and obviously Kay. And it was expected that things wouldn't be normal. But considering how poorly Vancouver had been playing up to that point, and the fact that this was to be considered a rebuilding year, for Vancouver under Mark Dos Santos, the loss was really shocking. LAFC couldn't get anything together in the 27th minute. Scarf. Hwang and bomb. Thank you. Scored the game's only goal. By the way, this kid real quick, I don't want to like praise them all too much, but this is a kid that was getting considerations from teams in the Bundesliga. Werder Bremen was the biggest club in the Bundesliga that was considering him. So this wasn't a guy to sleep on, nor is this a guy to sleep on, period. But despite dominating possession, despite having more shots, despite having accomplished more than 200 passes, LAFC couldn't muster up a goal in that matchup. So now comes our opportunity to avenge our loss and really stick it to our old assistant coach. No ill feelings harbored towards Marco Santos. The man had an opportunity to be the top manager at a club. Who wouldn't want that offer? But let's get into the matchup itself. Keep in mind, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, that the U.S. men's national team are still playing. And as a result of that, Walker Zimmerman and Tyler Miller not available. International duty ends for them one way or another after Sunday's Gold Cup matchup versus Mexico. Now, let's get into the lineup. Scarf, tell our listeners who started the game for LAFC.
0: Yeah, so this is fun. You mentioned, by the way, the last time we played Vancouver that Stephen Bateshore nor Jordan Harvey did start. That's right. We started a game without those two yet again. We've got the man right now for us back in goal, Pablo Cisniega. San Pablo, San Cisniega. Pablo Sinister Cisniega. That's right. I love this kid. He looks so good out there, except for that first play, which we'll talk about in a minute. We got Eddie Segura. Hey, look, one of our normal four defenders back there. But I want to talk about a guy at the end of the podcast, Philly, that I'm about to mention. Maybe it was that time in Vegas that gave him a little rejuvenation, but Dejan Djakovic.
1: He clearly wasn't having those $2 shots at tequila. Oh, like my Ashman goodness. Field.
0: I want to talk about Dejan at the end of this podcast. Mohamed el And again, oh, my goodness, did you see that run by Mohamed el That might be the nicest goal by a defenseman I think I've ever seen in the MLS. That was beautiful. Tristan Blackman rounding out the lineup on the back line. Lee Win. Edward Atuesta and Mark Anthony K. not starting blessing tonight in his normal position, started Lee Wynn, and we'll talk about a little bit of a shift change for Lee Wynn at about halftime there, Diego Rossi, Carlos Vela, and I was pleased to see Adama Diamande making the start, and that is your eleven. We did have a lot of our super subs available, Steven Bateshore, Jordan Harvey. I know they were both in the 18, along with Fito Zelaya, Latif Blessing. I know our boy, Philip Ejimadu, also in the 18. It was a good-looking squad we had out there, ready to take on Vancouver. And before we get into the lineup for Vancouver, and I'll run the, through those really quickly, I do want to say I turned to our buddy, Pastor Steve, right behind us. And I said, you know, based on this lineup, it kind of looks like we're playing for a 0-0 tie. I feel like we were really looking forward to Portland. I would like to apologize to Steve for being so completely wrong. Tuh. And I would like to apologize for to Bob Bradley, because I know he listens to our podcast all the time. I would like to apologize to him for being completely wrong. As we will recap this game, a 0-0 tie was not to be had. So again, we lined up in our 4-3-3, but Philly, Vancouver in a 5-3-2.
1: These guys basically parked a Hummer in the spot of a Prius. Quite ugly, (laughs) the fact that they plugged so many people back there. I mean, they were basically building the Canadian Wall. They really were. Or the Berlin Wall 2.0, whatever you want to say. But Scarf. Their keeper, I mean, you're going to go read through this lineup, but i got to say, their keeper today was really impressive. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk more about that later, but Scarfy, I'm trying to preserve my voice. I'm drinking tea with salt in it. Give the listeners... The lineup for Vancouver. Uh, you know, and, and you're
0: absolutely right, <coughs> by the I way. While I tuberculosis back here. By the way, Philly has <laughs> had a cough for the last... He, <coughs> he says it's about a week. It's been like two weeks, maybe even Nine longer. days. If this were the 1300s, we'd be mourning Philly already because whatever he has would have killed him by now.
1: My wife would be a very rich woman if I so passed. So
0: their goalie... It's hard to say that their goalie had a really good game after giving up six goals, but I will say that Maxime Cripeau... He had a couple of great saves. This game could have very legitimately have been eight or even nine to one. A touchdown and a field goal. Absolutely. Their red zone defense shored up there in the end. You had to nail Henry. Andy Rose, who I didn't know played for us for a little bit, but he did in today's game. Shout he out had, Andy Rose. Yeah. You. Eric Godoy, Brett Lewis, Jacob Nerwinski, who definitely sounds like a kid I went to grade school with. We That's had like John Harris, I used to
1: stuff in a locker back <laughs> in the day.
0: I would never do that. John Harris, Russell Tebert, Hwang and Baum, Yordi Regno, who is fast making my list of players that I don't like, and Lucas Venudo. So, yeah, you had
1: mentioned too about Hwang and Baum. Yeah, the kid's good. Again, like Werder Bremen in the Bundesliga was looking at him. Interestingly enough, Ali Adnan, they just signed him to a designated player contract on July the 5th. He set a record for his position in terms of his contract. I was actually looking forward to seeing this young man play. He played the last game on June the 29th, but he was nowhere to be found on that pitch today.
0: Yeah, that was a bummer. Both you and I were talking about that before the podcast. I was looking forward to seeing this guy. You know, let's get into the game recap, and it started out with a bang. Carlos Vela got a foul just outside the box. A beautiful save, and this, again, we'll talk about. Maxime Cripo had a really good game, a great shot by Carlos Vela, and it seemed like, though, everybody knew he was going for that upper corner. They cheated over just a little bit, and look, I'm going to use a term, Philly, to describe what happened in the fifth minute real quick. I thought this would only be used in a hockey podcast. But oh, I've,
1: I'm dying I, to know what you're about to say. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I didn't think we'd able, be able to use the term empty netter when okay. you talk about a soccer goal. But for some reason, Pablo Cisniega ventured, I don't know, he was trying to catch a bus out on Figueroa. Maybe he wanted to go to Soccer Shop USA, which is right across the street. Maybe he wanted um, to come to Monster Studios. He basically stepped that far out the net. I mean, Yahtzee. This was the first time, by the way, that San Pablo showed that he was pretty human. Look, the goals he's given up before this one, they have been solid plays. This one was one of those that just had me going, yikes.
1: Yikes, indeed. Again, he stepped out far. And you know what? Vancouver was there to capitalize on that. I mean, Jordy Reina had it, took the ball, and it was just a basic little tat, tat, That's right. And it went to the back of the net on the right side. And just like that, we find ourselves in a precarious position five minutes into the game. Pablo Cisniega, somebody that we were talking about with everybody at LAFC headquarters, for example. Yes. Those long sleeve keeper jerseys came out. How many conversations do we have? Christian with Cuervos or whoever else. Yeah. It was basically like, you know what? We got these keeper jerseys, but whose name would you want on there? Would you want Miller's? Would you want Cisniegas? There were a lot of interesting mixed reactions on there. But after that play, the walk to the Venice Beach boardwalk that Cisniega made, man, if that's the way the game would have ended... It's the only adjective that I have to say to describe that.
0: And as soon as they scored the goal, I thought, oh my goodness, this is just like the last game all over again. When Hwangenbaum scored, I think it was in like the 27th minute in that
1: last game. Exactly the 27th. All
0: Vancouver did for the entire rest of that game is park the bus. And I will say, a hummer in a Prius space. I feel that Mark Dos Santos outcoached Bob Bradley in that first game. And I will say this. I think for the first 20 minutes or so, Mark Dos Santos was out coaching Bob again. But here's the main difference. I don't think Mark Dos Santos had enough on the pitch to be able to make adjustments after Bob Bradley made some adjustments of his own. You know, there's one that I really want to make sure that I highlight. It was about in the 18th minute that I noticed this. And I asked Lalo and Gaston actually about this uh, right after The Twins, shout out, fools. I asked him, I said, wait a minute, why did Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi swap sides? And what we were talking about is it really started to open up play a little bit more. They weren't getting what they wanted from that one side of play. So honestly... What I was really impressed with is you saw Bob Bradley really start having to make adjustments on the fly. But Philly, you and I both talked about this. We dominated possession for the entire game. And I'm going to use an American football term here real quick. I've already used a hockey one, so why not use an American football term here? It really felt like we were playing downhill against Vancouver. We possessed the ball. We kept throwing people at the net. We kept throwing attackers up front. I think we got called for, what, five offsides to their, like, zero or one that they had for the entire game. We really felt like we were going to pepper Maxime Crepeau with shots. And you have to hear the number after the game because it was a firing squad out there on him. But we didn't have the result, Philly, until much later in the first half.
1: No doubt. I mean, Vancouver was building the Great Wall of Canada back in the box. LAFC had to fight all game long in order to find openings. And it wasn't easy those first few minutes. Again, shout out the Twins. Mark Dos Santos having known Bob Bradley's system, having known the players, having known what makes them tick. You could say he was out managing his old mentor for a little while. And there were plenty of opportunities. Again, I said it before. It's going to be the third time I say this. Vancouver parked a Hummer in a Prius's spot. Eventually, LAFC decided to blast it and open up 27 more parking spaces. But still, you get to a point where it's like, I don't know what's going on. Nothing was falling in. But there was a lot of tremendous play. K having come back fresh off international duty with Canada, he played like a man possessed. He had a couple of opportunities that looked like they would potentially come through. I mean, he, with the exception of one bad pass that he gave through on a counter, he played really, really well. But as we progress along the game, we hit up the 35th minute. And truthfully, this is exactly where LAFC started Killing the Whitecaps, those corner kicks. When I read those numbers to you, those are going to be staggering. Had it not been for the corner kicks, we might have not had the result that we do. But you said this earlier as we were reading the roster lineup. Yes. Shout outs to Andy Rose, the 35th minute off of a corner kick. Own goal. The stadium announcer at Bank of California Stadium said, Adama Diamande, and we yelled his name three times. But it definitely looked like an own goal. At the end of it, thank you, Andy Rose. We did not realize that you were that sad at Vancouver that you had to score <laughs> a goal to basically be like, hi, Bob, well, look, I'm a player. Here's I might want to play for you.
0: There, there were a couple things that I thought about, too. You know, what we had talked about, that was the sixth corner kick already yeah of the match
1: 35 minutes in and, a six corner and, kick. and I
0: will say this it has been something that I have lamented on this podcast over and over again about how we just had trouble finding offense out of set pieces especially corners or free kicks from the wing we just haven't been able to generate a lot of solid chances this game look the last two games If you ask me right now, the last two games are the most important two games that we have had all season because it shows me that we are not a one and a half or two trick pony. It's not just Carlos Vela and Diego Rossi. Last year, you could make the case that if you put two or three guys on Vela and you put a guy marking Rossi the entire time, that you could shut down LAFC. We had five different players score a goal in our last game, and we had four different LAFC players and a fifth from Vancouver score a goal this game. We just come to it with, like I said in the opening, bringing goals to a snowball fight. I love these last two games because it shows the diversity in our attack. We had defenders coming up the wing. Oh, my goodness, Mohamed El-Munir. We had set pieces for goals off of set pieces, which we don't normally have. We have goals off of corner kicks. We had goals off of great play. And we have Carlos Vela, and they don't. So you put all those things together, and after that goal, which was made by the pressure of Adama Diamande coming forward in the box, and like the (laughs) Twins mentioned... They, it was zone marking instead of man marking there in the box, too. So you had a little bit more running lanes and you had a lot more to happen inside the box. I think, again, this is where Mark Dos Santos really started to get out coached and he just didn't have a response for it. 35th minute, beautiful goal. But, Philly, how about the 41st?
1: 41st minute off that corner kick by Carlos Vela. He connects with Dio. Boom, beautiful header at a ridiculous angle on for our vantage point the left side of the goal and just like that dio scores at that point as per the public announcer it seemed as if he had his brace reality was it was his his first goal of the game but we go up 2 to 1 now as sports fans out there and as L.A. sports fans out there, yes, I know I'm a New Yorker, but I am in Los Angelino right now. I've paid enough in taxes to consider myself one. When you mention the number 99, most people would think who scarf?
0: Aaron Donald, the honorary Falconer for the Los Angeles Rams.
1: While that is an absolutely phenomenal answer and one that I didn't even take into account, I was actually thinking somebody else.
0: The great one, Wayne Gretzky. And he coined a term... You miss 100% of the shots, you don't take.
1: Exactly. We have a great one, too, and his name is Adama Diamande. And he headed it in, and boom, 2-2-1. We start to go up, and this is where everything starts to fall apart for Vancouver. They were very fortunate that the first half ended right there. First half stats. LAFC, at that point, had six shots on goal and we had eight corner kicks. Again, we decimated Vancouver in this manner. Had it not been for the corner kicks that Vancouver conceded, we would have been looking at a different scoring line. But opening up the second half scarf, and a player who I will say is very much improved from last season. He spent a considerable amount of time playing within the Phoenix Rising. He has been a blessing, not a Latif blessing, but a blessing nonetheless. In the 46th minute, opening the second half of the game, Tristan Blackman connects with Mark Anthony Kay, who again played as a Canadian possessed. He aggressively pressed down the field and launched a beauty past the Vancouver keeper and just like that, LAFC 3-0. To one, I don't know what Bob told these guys at halftime. I don't know what was put into their Gatorade. Angels on Parade, shout out to Alicia Rodriguez, predicted that this game would end 3-1. to one. And at that point, it sure was looking like it, wasn't it? Here's the thing that we were able to do. They were dead
0: set on, I'll say it for the fourth time for you because you've now coined this phrase, parking a Hummer in a Prius spot. They were dead set on, on parking the bus against us. And once we took the 2-1 lead, they could no longer do that. They had to go on the offensive, and that played right into Bob Bradley's hands. Like I said earlier, it felt like we were playing downhill. Well, the entire second half felt like we controlled the ball, we possessed, we did everything we needed to do. Look, I was happy that Pablo Cisniega got that big save in the 49th minute. Oh, he redeemed himself, quite honestly. There were still a couple of times where he came out of goal a little bit too much. He really seemed shook by that first play. He was a little tentative from time to time, and... I thought that it hurt his play a little bit. He's much better when he's kind of feeling himself a little bit more. He's able to be more aggressive. He's able to go out there and make some tough saves. Look, Dio came out in right around, what, the 53rd, 54th minute or so. And right after that, Edward Atuesta. Look, I can't tell you who had a better game today, Mark Anthony K or Edward Atuesta, but... Mark if Anthony, there was a
1: co MVP for most improved sure. players, it's
0: these two, sure. hands down. Nobody even compares. Here's here's my little theory, though. See, Mark Anthony K, he's from Canada. He was playing the Vancouver Whitecaps. They're from Canada. Mark Anthony K was trying to get a little bit more time on Sports Center, spelled C-E-N-T-R-E up there on TSN.
1: Did he give him a bit of the how's your father?
0: He did give him a little bit of the, as you like to say, or as Austin Powers likes to say, a little bit of the how's your father. He had that beautiful save on a shot of his in the first half, but an absolute rocket from about the same spot on the opposite side of the field in the 46th, but in the 54th, it's Edward Atuesta to Carlos Vela. And it was a little one-on-one match out there, and Vela looked fantastic. Guys, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag about what's going to happen with Carlos Vela. He's going to go left. And boy, did he go left. What a beautiful, beautiful goal by Carlos Vela.
1: You know it's coming. You see it. It's like slow-mo. It's like playing FIFA or or some of the other older, older football games. He gets that ball in there. You know what the result is. And you know what the result was for me, Scarf? What was that? I did two shoeys. No one made you. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Nobody (laughs) made me. Nobody. (coughs) Sorry, there's that tuberculosis again. Yes, you're right. Nobody made me do anything. But the reason I did two, it ended up being three. Because why? But I did one, and it was a really good one. I downed a whole beer in my. Chuck Taylor's. Gross. The panda happened to record it and it didn't save. So after I pounded a beer, there was nothing else around me. So I had to do another shoey with wine. And after tailgating since 9.30 in the morning... This is all you, brother. The tum-tum felt really dumb-dumb. Anyways, that's my plight. But... Let's fast forward to the 62nd minute. Yes, please. A moment in which there were so many people looking forward to this. Fito, Zelaya, 62nd minute, subs in for Adama Diamande. By the way, one thing we didn't mention, the 51st minute, Dio fell to the ground, and we're watching the game at one point, and it was happening while Dio was on the ground. It's like people were avoiding him because he was on the ground. I found that to be... Really, really interesting. But at that point, you start to realize that, you know what? Dio has these flashes of brilliance. The problem is he can't maintain that consistency for 90 minutes.
0: I can relate.
1: I'm just not going to say anything on that one. But (laughs) he can't go the full 90. He's obviously been hurt. But we don't need Dio because we have so many arrows in our quiver. And you know what? Fito Zelaya having fresh scored a goal in his last match when he connected with Carlos Vela in the Kansas city barbecue grill outs. He came in and you know what the bank, as much as it was popping at that point popped even more.
0: Oh man. Okay. Real quick segue. Our buddy, Josh Albrickson, who sits down in field level, he runs the LAFC fans page on Facebook, which by the way, talk about a thankless task. That must be awful. Either way. I have seen and heard and read so much vitriol, so many ridiculous things being said about Fito Zelaya on that page. And then all of a sudden Fito checks into the game and the entire 32-52 started a Fito Zelaya Chant. I have one thing to say and shout out to my boy. Let's see, I'm going to make sure I get this right. My Tokayo Ramon. That's my guy out there. We talked for a while about this very same thing. I am so sick of what I read on Facebook about Fito Zelaya and the hatred that a lot of the fans out there have for him. Here's what I will say. If we win the Open Cup off of a goal from Fito Zelaya and that Open Cup walks down your street and LAFC says, everybody on this street, come outside. Come take a picture with the cup where Fito got the game-winning goal. Are you going to go, no, you know what? I don't want to take a picture with the cup because Fito scored the goal. No, I don't want that trophy hanging in my trophy case because Fito scored the goal. No, he is black and gold. And I am so proud of the way our thirty two fifty two responded as soon as he set his foot on that pitch at Bank of California Stadium. Not only did he get the hug last game that showed everybody, look, Carlos Vela thinks this guy is one of us just like everybody else, and of course he would. He is the classiest captain in the MLS, but the entire 3252 came a-raining down on you, brothers, all those FISO haters out there. You had 27-inch pythons coming down from the 3252. enough With the hate. That is coming from me, the scarf. I know Philly feels the same way. He is black and gold number 22, just like every other one of our players are. Welcome to Bank of California Stadium. Fito Zelaya.
1: That is the most passionate. I feel like I've seen you in 42 episodes. Clearly, there was a nerve struck, but you're right. Now, scarf. Yes. I'm not a Raiders fan. There's no mystery about that. You know this. I root for bad New York teams. Yes. And I'm a Ram season ticket holder. But yes. to quote the great Al Davis, just win, baby. Like you said, if we win the Open Cup, if we win the Supporter Shield, if we win BS, when we win yes. the MLS, Ifito Zelaya is a big part of that, which absolutely he will be. No one is going to boo him. Nope. But it comes down to this. Yes. Just win, baby. And it's going to happen. The only team that can beat us yep. is us. If yes. we get hurt, it screws things up. If mentally we collapse, it screws things up. There is no team out there that has the talent to match up with us. You could look at the goal differential. The goal differential has a number that's higher than Scarfett's age. seriously it's almost to a point where it's going to turn my age ridiculous we are dominating people and speaking of dominating another individual who is dominating is carlos vela boom 70th minute carlos vela with a brace when he has a header off the gloves of the vancouver keeper he puts it in the back of the net his 19th goal of the season he finishes the game off with 12 assists now, we talked about the Carsonian Lion yes. on July the 4th. He had a brace. Vela was like, You know what? I'm not going to tell you what hand gesture I gave there, but it's he was like, You know what?
0: Friendly podcast.
1: I need more of a cushion. And he said, Nay, 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 nay. No. And he went out there and totally gave it to Ur er Bohemovich.
0: <laughs> Look, Carlos Vela, the most talented player in the MLS, he is over Ur er But I will say this. The fact that he scored on a header, I mean, is there anything this guy can't do? If, by the way, you're not following, I think it's on Twitter or Instagram, Carlos Vela's headband. That's another really cool follow, by the way. Check that out.
1: As cool as Figgy. Shout out to Figgy. We met Figgy today. We I was really did. excited about that Figgy. was
0: That was really cool. Let's flash forward two minutes ahead because it was just two minutes later. Diego Rossi is now in double digits. That is his 10th goal of the season unassisted his right footed shot from the center of the box to the center of the goal that is all she wrote for the scoring we had a little bit of a chippy moment later on in the game it was actually just more of a late tackle than anything else this game it was a knee to the head what it, are you
1: talking about Well, i'm talking
0: about the red card actually on freddie montero for a very late tackle you Should have gotten a
1: red card for that haircut
0: well okay there's that but it was a late tackle on Mark Anthony K. We were all pretty surprised until we saw the replay in slow motion on our phones that that, that was a red card. It was a straight red that took any bit of win that was left somehow in the Canadian sales of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Can we also say shout out to Kimberly Caldwell Harvey. What an incredible rendition of Oh Canada. She is our official Canadian national anthem singer and of course the fantastic and beautiful wife to our number two Jordan Harvey. So I just want to give you some props for that. I've never
1: gotten Goosebumps scarf from hearing Oh Canada ever before. She gives me goosebumps. My arm hairs raised when she sings Oh Canada. And there's a lot of arm hairs there's there. A dude. A lot
0: of arm hair. That's a Lot right. of arm hairs there, brother. I, I know Carlos Vela was trying to sneak one more in, in about the eighty eighth minute, but He
1: almost had that hat trick.
0: Yeah, I you know, and that and that kind of rounds out. Our match. There were about four minutes of stoppage time. Not a whole lot to
1: talk about. Yes, Philly. Well, let's talk about that knee to the head that Edward Atuesta got.
0: Yeah, you know Edward Atuesta. He was a little testy. You know, my thing is though, he got up. He shoved the dude. He, he got I a love it. upset. No, I, I love it too. Believe me, he earned. His, angry, boy. He earned his yellow card. But what amazed me was he got up. He argued about it. He rubbed the back of his head, got upset more, and then fell down on the ground. Look, it's a very, very soccer play there by Eduardo Tuesta, But you got to stay down on the ground first. Maybe you'll get the card. You know, back on that knee to the head. It didn't look, by the way, like there was anything super malicious about the play as I watched it again in slow motion, but look. Uh, Knee to the head while he was down. Can can we just talk about, real quick, the knee to the head that Ben Askren got today? Five seconds. You know what? I don't
1: care because Ben Askren beat Lyman Good for the welterweight title for the Bellator, and Lyman Good was part of Tiger Showman's Fight Camp, which is where I trained in New York. I'm glad to see Ben Askren get knocked
0: out. No, totally. I just want our listeners, real quick. After you're done with this episode, and we only got like another minute or two left, we're going to get out of here after we talk about what's going on next in our schedule, which is only, by the way, four days away. And now, oh as we're recording this, less than four days away, three Shout days Shout out
1: Raleigh's Whiskey for fueling my energy. Oi,
0: but... Go Google real quick, Ben Askren knockout. The dude got knocked out in five seconds off of a flying knee, but what was way worse were the two shots that he got hit with on the ground too. He was already out. Like the arms were frozen. There was nothing going on in Ben Askren's life, and his grandkids felt those couple of shots. So, look, I do want to talk about one other player real quick, Philly, before we get to the stats. There was a player who I think had quietly – An incredibly strong game for LAFC, and that was Dejan Djakovic. What I saw from Mark Dos Santos the first about 20 25 minutes, they sent Jordi Reina up the field and really pushed Dejan Djakovic a couple of times. And those were really the only few times that we saw Dejan get challenged after that. He had an excellent game not only back with the black and gold, but back in the starting lineup in what was a little bit of a surprise, although it's very clear they're trying to give Jordan and Steven some rest as we come through this grueling stretch. I know we are going to have as close to our regular starting 11 out there against Portland, but what a game by Dejon Jackovich. I was really happy to see the way that he played. And then the other little adjustment that I want to talk about is how Lee Wynn was made more of a holding midfielder in that second half. And that seemed to be where everything developed. It allowed Atuesta to get a little bit higher and get more aggressive. It allowed some of our defenders to get higher and get more aggressive. And look, four goals in the second half. Another great bit of coaching by the magician, Bob Bradley out there. We absolutely love our coach. Bob Bradley, and that's pretty much our wrap-up, Philly, for the massacre at Bank of California Stadium.
1: No doubt. Let's go through the final stat line so our listeners out there can understand how much we dominated. Yeah. Final score, six, two, oh, just one. One. Possession, LAFC, 67%
0: to Vancouver's. 33. All right, wait, wait, wait. Ready for this next number, kids? This is going to be, this was awesome. I love this. Our last game, we had 14 shots. Keep that in perspective as Philly lays these stats on you.
1: Now that number 14 comes up again. It does. But the actual shots were 31. You 30, want to talk about peppering? 31. We had a semi-automatic weapon 31. out on the pitch. 31. To with Vancouver's 14 five. To on Vancouver's goal. five. Yeah, with it's three on goal. Five. Yeah. Where we truly beat them, obviously we pepper the poop out of them, but corners is the difference. LAFC had 10 to Vancouver's. Three. Cisniego, while he did make a faux pas, that's fine. And we're, none of us are perfect. He had two saves.
0: I believe the official Vancouver number of saves was eight. And I will say this about Maxime Crepeau. The game could have been like 10 nothing. He made a couple really good saves. So not only did you give up six goals, but you were also probably your team's best player
1: tonight. Indeed. And that basically wraps it up. We avenged our loss. We absolutely obliterated Vancouver. Welcome back, Mark Dos Santos. But as we normally like to end the podcast, bye-bye. That's
0: right. And look, I think that leads us right into our wait. What What? moment of the podcast and we did not know this or at least we didn't think about it until LAFC tweeted this out right after the match our wait what moment. How about six goals for the first time in team history? It is really, really nice to be able to win a game, but to win a game while making some history, six goals for the first time in LAFC history. You better believe that one year from now, when we are doing our This Day in LAFC history segment, that stat is going to come up again. And now Philly, we look forward to chopping down the timbers yet again, and this one has a lot at stake. We, if we win this game, Philly, against Portland, advance to the semifinals of the Open Cup, where we will face the winner of the vaunted New Mexico United FC versus Minnesota United FC in a battle of the Uniteds, hopefully we move on, and I think we will. I think our team, look, our last two games, 11 to 2 is the aggregate for our last two games, a plus nine goal differential. Real quick, how many teams in the MLS right now have a plus nine goal differential? Well, I'll tell you, in the West, the teams that we play, we are the only team that has a goal differential anywhere near plus nine, and just two other teams, your NYCFC and Philadelphia Union in the East, they're both at plus 11. There is nobody else in the league close to that just over our last two games, let alone the entire season. I don't even own a gun, Stacey, let alone many guns, which would necessitate an entire rack. Well,
1: we have the entire rack. And what are we going to do with the gun rack?
0: We're going to keep winning.
1: Look, We said it. We're the best in the West and the best Best in the the MLS. MLS. We feast on the East and we best the West. And I'm going to leave you with another one. Yes. We break hearts and we set trends. By trends, we're talking numbers. Again, this is a team that can only lose because they decide that they're not ready to play. And this is not the vibe. This is going to be a season for the record books. I can't wait to see how this pans out. I love the fact that we are in the middle of history. Fans, listeners, you don't realize this. We're experiencing a lot of joy right now, but we are setting so many records right now. We are literally becoming a massive part of MLS history, and it's absolutely fabulous to be experiencing this with each and every one of you on Christmas Tree Lane. In Bank of California Stadium. Again, together, collectively, supporters groups, podcasts, pod fam, the squad. We are breaking hearts and setting trends in so many ways. And on that note, I think we should probably wrap up this episode.
0: That's right. Just one last quick reminder. LAFC trying to keep it 100. That was our 100th point in our entire team history. 57 last year. We are already at 43 points in the standings, by the way. We have the exact same number of games played as that team from Carson, but we are nine points clear from them. And here we are again at 43 points after 19 games. Philadelphia Union at 35 points after 20 games. We have a game in hand on them, and we're still eight points up. The race, if you want to call that, for the Supporters' Shield – We are Usain Bolt and everybody else is not right now. And with that, look, that ends another fantastic episode of Defenders of the Bank. We want to thank all of you for listening. Hopefully, you're listening to this in the morning while you're getting ready for the U.S. Women's World Cup match. Our women of Defenders of the Bank, the Defender Ets, they've got one more podcast coming about that final. We'll see what happens when the Netherlands take on the U.S. again. Peru versus Brazil. U.S. Mexico in the Gold Cup. Enjoy a fantastic Sunday of soccer. And that is it from the Defenders of the Bank. You know how we end it.
1: Bye-bye.